Thank you for listening to Digress of Obscenity. Follow us on Twitter at Digress underscore Obscene. And rate and review us on iTunes. These women had thought there was a bear on the campsite. And had reported it near, like, where we were staying. And we put two and two together, like, oh, my God, they thought Uncle Blaine was a bear because his snoring was that bad. I feel bad for Uncle Blaine. Digressive. Obscenity. Shit, what was I talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digressive Obscenity or Butterfly Petting Zoo, the podcast. (laughs) Today my guest is Aaron Salm. Yeah, that's right. Salm. It's true. Sound. Sound. Aaron, start us off right. Who are you and what do you do? Tell me about you. I'm Aaron Salm. I Salm. Uh, Salm. Salm. <laughs> um, I host a podcast called The Haughty Nerdress, and I live in New York City, and I work as an actor, um, and I also work as a singer and a creative artist. And uh, who am I? What do I do? I think, does that about cover it? Covers, yeah. Yeah. And I uh, am a big fan of a lot of different things. And um, we'll definitely I'm touch on things. I have a category called things. Oh, avid know it all, just like in general? I'm good at pretending. Okay. <laughs> Give me a random pretend fact. Go. Uh, random pretend fact. Um, I. Hmm. Disappointing. It's Disappointing. True. They're tuning it's, I'm out. Good at, I'm good at gleaning enough facts that I can pretend I know more about something than I do as to not insult people. So you which can't is a good skill to have absolutely. when you're on a nerd podcast. Absolutely. Because it's like if you miss a beat, people get really mad at you about things. Sure. Whereas you're like, well, you know, maybe that like when you guys comic book or that TV show is not something I'm that interested in, but I know enough about it that it doesn't hinder the things I am a huge fan of. Okay, gotcha. Like when you couldn't pronounce Peter Capaldi's last name. That's... <laughs> I was sitting there yelling, Capaldi! Capaldi! At my computer. Sorry. Peter that's, Capaldi. That's okay. He's a friend of the show, so he'll he'll hear this. Really? Anyway. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> Uh, segwaying gently into the questions portion. Questions. Stop asking me questions. What is your first memory of me? My first memory of you is of actually meeting you or, or hearing that you are a living being on the earth. Um, either. Whatever Whatever feels, feels more podcast worthy. My first memory of you is hearing about you through Jesse Mullins and Becca Kopeck. Mm-hmm. Um, because, Friends of the show. Yeah. Friends of my show, too. Friends and of all the shows. Just everybody. They watch friends. a lot of television. They they do. Um, and Jesse has kind of become like my nerd girl sensei in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, and sometimes she like speaks at a really fast pace because there's so much knowledge coming out. And there's and I have so to much be excitement, like, genuine excitement. There's yeah, and it's it also <laughs> like there's all of this closeted excitement sometimes that I'm like maybe I shouldn't be nerding out that much about this. <laughs> and then Jesse like really nerds out about it, and I I'm like oh this is so it's like freeing. Yes, yeah, um, she's very uh, not brave. What's the word? I guess it's more than confidence. It feels like... She just accepts herself for what she is and yes. doesn't really care if anyone yes. questions it. Which is it's awesome. really refreshing. Yeah. Um, but they... But back to me, Aaron. Back please. to you. 
They their show um, just super. Just super. Yes. I kept wanting to say just right, and I'm like, nope, it's better than that. <laughs> oh, it's not just right. It's super. Now the just right people um, are going to sue us. Thank you. Oh, just right people. Come on. Yeah. Um, but away. the just super um, series, uh, they were saying that you were going to be directing that, and that they were really really excited. Directing. directing you I'm were somehow in involved it. with it. You're yeah, in yeah. it. Um, it's kind of the same. I think I'm but they directing were, it, but I'm not. It was one of those things where they're like, our friend Paul, like, you'll love Paul. And then Jesse booked uh, a commercial series that was Fiber like... One. Fiber One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> snack drama. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, it's Paul Gayette, who I told you you should be friends with, like, ages ago. And then finally you came in to do our bar. And finally. I was like, this is Paul. And I... Just failed all your expectations. No, and it's like he's not even that tall. At first, you like you didn't you didn't really speak up at Arbar very much. You kind of like submitted your writing and just sort of like let it go. Mm-hmm. And finally, like you you got a couple pieces where you really got to get up. And I was like, oh damn, Paul's actually really good. Oh. Um, so and then you had your super fight day, and yeah, I was like, oh wait, yeah, this is really fun. Okay, yeah, they were totally right. Yeah, that's that's when I kind of like I'm trying to pass the boundaries with everybody at our bar individually because like you know, as an adult, suddenly meeting like 30 new people like that doesn't happen unless yeah. you're in like AA or something, and you, you're <laughs> not really allowed to get to know them. Yeah. Um, but so with our bar, it's like you meet these 30 people, you know them a little bit, but then you actually get mm-hmm. to know them. So I'm glad I'm actually getting to to know you. Yeah, likewise. What is your favorite moment or episode of The Simpsons? I think mine is a little bit cliche. Like, my sister and I always loved the Halloween episodes. Sure. And basically where Homer um, doesn't get beer and doesn't get TV and they're in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually just finished rereading The Shining and I'm now kind of getting into uh, Doctor Sleep. It's... The sequel, which is... It's interesting. He's gotten a lot more long-winded, I guess. He's if I had older, he's longer in the teeth. He's getting more reflectionive. Reflectionive is now a word that I've made. That works. Um, but yeah, he just he just yeah. It's it's like did this entire chapter need to be here? But that is a, that is a classic episode though. That is fantastic. It's like every fifth sentence of a Dickens novel is actually meaningful, and you're like, did I need that whole yeah. description? Did you need to tell me about where the bricks? that are stained with the candle smoke came from. Not so much. The answer is no. But he's dead, so. Um, he can't get mad. Charles Diction, yeah. Let's call him Charles Diction. <laughs> Am I drunk? Okay, I'm drunk. It's Sunday afternoon. Exactly. I should enough. be drunk, goddammit. <laughs> okay, uh, what are you listening to at the moment? Um, I listen to Spotify a lot. I've been listening to this band called Daughter. Um... They're they're all sad and breakupy, oh. and uh, but they also write really interesting songs and they have sure. a neat sound. I you like have an finding... interesting sad breakupy song. Yeah, I it's just I song. like artists it's... that I can't that I don't instantly hear places. Sure. I don't. I think it makes me feel special, maybe. Yeah. And I, I'm starting to get back into Sarah Siskind a lot. So cool. it's very bluegrassy country folk. Christina likes bluegrass. Afterwards, you can do Christina's bluegrass podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's called Grasscast. I made that. <laughs> That's up. awesome. Uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, you actually know what I'm reading, and uh, you don't like it. Oh yes, that's right. 
I'm reading Villette uh, by Charlotte Bronte. It's really interesting to me knowing who Charlotte Bronte is and the fact that Jane Eyre was such a beloved novel and then you realize later she wrote this novel that like she grew up and realized what happens in Jane Eyre would never happen that life can be really shitty and you can fall in love multiple times and have your heart broken and be completely sort of just considered a disposable figure in people's lives and still have to make your own hope okay so I know you find Bronte somewhat boring. I do. It's I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, I feel like I'm attacking you now. You immediately went on the defensive. That was great. No, no. I just, <laughs> it's also kind of like everybody's allowed to have their own different stuff. And yeah. I think it's good to be able to um, clearly express why you like it so much. Sure. Yes. No offense to the Brontes estate. Also dead, so it doesn't matter. There is, yeah, the thing is that we're already getting sued by the just right people. We might be getting sued by the Brontes now. I so. hope, is there, are there Dickens people alive? I hope not. Um, so we're going to try and keep this one short. What are you watching? I don't even know how to start. Now I'm intimidated okay. to keep it short. Because I know that you and Jesse and Becca are, are these... Just so receptive of things. We're really good multitaskers. That's yes. the key. Okay, um, so let me put it. What is the last thing that you saw the credits roll on? I've been working my way through Orange is the New Black. Okay. But I'm also working my way through um, Happy Valley, which I shouldn't be able to get, but I wear an eye patch and just, like, watch that shit okay. um, from the U.K., Oh, I'm I'm a full supporter of downloading things illegally. If they don't make it available to us, then what yeah. do they really want us to do? Would you well, rather I just us don't not want to wait it? three years to watch it from the BBC? Have you ever broken a bone? I broke my toe in college, and I was really pissed about it. Um, Which toe? Uh, it was my second one up from my pinky toe, and my roommate. Your ring toe. My ring toe. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. On yeah. my right foot. And my roommate just had an affinity for leaving her stuff all over the floor. And I literally slipped on a stack of folders and kind of like water skied on these folders across the floor and slammed into a chair leg. And she kept telling me, it's not that bad, Erin. Put your shoe on and go to class. (laughs) And here I had broken the toe and the bone had slid. So they had to Ah. tape it up and put like a duck bill on me for a couple weeks. And my foot got really big and purple. Wow. And I showed it to her, and I was like, look broken now? You did this to me! Yeah. <laughs> was she at least, like, sorry about it? She was. She's actually a really close friend now. Good. Did so. you break her toe? No, I feel I like didn't. that's the only way to level the playing ground. No, we had an argument, and she likes to tell people, we had an argument, and I got mad, and I threw a shoe. And she and likes to say right that I there. threw it at her head. And she loves to tell people it made a dent in the wall, which it did. I was stronger than I thought I was. Um, do you collect anything intentionally? Um, I used to collect keychains when I would travel on vacations. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm, if I really like a movie, I'm still somebody that likes to own the DVD. But I'm really picky about it. Absolutely. I think I might go forward and get the rest of the Jane Campion movies, even if they suck. Um, just so I have those. Those are... Jane Campion is The Piano, Bright Star. Um, She just did Top of the Lake, which was a TV series with Elizabeth Moss. I think I've 
Um, but she did one with um, uh, uh, Harvey Keitel and um, Kate Titanic Kate. Beckinsale. Winslet. No, Winslet. Yes. Yeah. To Beckinsale is Underworld. That's all I can think. I'll of. figure it I'm out. I'm sure she's done other great things before. But that's really Underworld. Not yeah. Because um, after Underworld, it was like, what else is she doing? Oh, she's in an Adam Sandler film. Um, what else is she doing? Yeah. Yeah. When's the next Underworld movie coming out? Um, yeah. But uh, Kate Winslet and Harvey Keitel, and they somehow end up falling in love despite the age difference. And I just remember there's a scene where Harvey Keitel, she dumps him, and Harvey Keitel loves her so much and misses her so much, he puts on her dress and like makeup and walks in the desert in Australia. And that's and gets really high. Do you think that is sort of the evolution of standing outside a girl's bedroom window with Peter Gabriel <laughs> on a speaker? I I think. I mean, the thing is that he wasn't high. I think the high really gotcha in, influenced the putting on the dress and the makeup. Okay, that's fine. But if he tucked it up and then started going I'd fuck me would you fuck me that would have been a totally different ending to the movie I probably wouldn't fuck Harvey Keitel probably you know never say never that's what I'm saying probably I just want to keep that (laughs) I'm putting that out there Harvey you know he's also a a big big fan big fan big listener yeah when he's when he's high (laughs) off his ass and out in the middle of the desert in Kate Winslet's little dress no Kate Kate Winslet hates this podcast oh boy She's just, she's really defensive sometimes. She is really defensive. Kate, I know you're probably not listening, but someone is going to hear this. Leo listens to this, you know, Leo DiCaprio, he's a friend. Um, Leo, yeah. could you just tell her to give him another chance? Take a deep breath. I'm Nobody's still here. Mad. Exactly. Nobody's trying to hurt Yeah, you. nothing is fucked. I'm still here. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be you. It's okay to be me. Um, so Robert Hollywood, the vice president of Hollywood, he's calling you, and he wants one suggestion to make the entertainment industry better. Um, I would say, how to put this succinctly, do more auditions, um, do more open calls, look in more places, because we've homogenized things down to, down to a lot of nepotism, down to celebrity based on school or celebrity based on name. And celebrity doesn't even come from skill. So what's happening is that other countries are making us look foolish and are stealing a lot of our market, like the UK, which has some of that. But I think it's affected the quality of our product. Sure. And it happens, I think, on on, uh, high levels of stage as well. And I, uh, people like to say, oh, well, you're just bitter. And it's like, it's not that I'm bitter, it's just I care and mm-hmm. I want the best product. And I know that when you base things not on skill but on money, yeah, it never turns out well. It is interesting. You never hear, you know, In the all long of run. these. Yeah. Sorry. And you, you never hear these, these, these well paid actors saying these things. I think also it's because us admitting that it exists. It's us admitting. Sure. That we cast based on celebrity and and the celebrity of nepotism, which yeah. is my only thing with Lena Dunham going, no, 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 there's no nepotism in girls. And I kind of want to be like, it's fine that there is, but you have to admit it. Just acknowledge it, it. yeah. Hmm. 
Like, don't pretend that you put the work in to really find the perfect fit for these characters. Yeah. And let us go, okay, this is this is the product we have. Yeah. Hmm. Her writing is tremendous, and their work is tremendous, but we'll never know if we really got the best fit for that. Sure. Um, okay, so that was the question segment. Now, Aaron, let's digress. Okay. first movie you remember seeing? How did it affect you? I think the first movie I remember seeing I'm not certain. It mm-hmm. had to be one of two. Either okay. The Sound of Music mm-hmm. or The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Wow. Um, that second one. That's a trippy movie to be the first thing that you see. Well, I mean, I already liked the story. Mm-hmm. Oh, you read the books? Uh, the Frank L. Baum books? Um... We didn't read the whole thing. I think I had, like, a children's book of it. Gotcha. Um, and they were, like, the big films that were on at a time that kids could watch them. Absolutely. Um, the only thing with The Sound of Music, because it was actually two VHSs at that point. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing the first half of that musical repeatedly and not knowing how it ended for, like, years. <laughs> because I, couldn't, I was never, never allowed to stay tape. up. Wow. That would be so frustrating. Well, I mean, I know I would get to the point where they got together and you'd like go to bed assuming like everything's great. It ends great. Sure. Before they even end. introduce the Nazis, huh? Yeah. Wow. Like, by the way. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> a lot of people died for your enjoyment. Yeah, they go, they sing for the Nazis, they run away. Hmm. Okay. Tell me about the last dream you remember. The last dream I remember was actually a, a stress dream. Okay. It was kind of gross. Um, I dreamt that I was... That I used the bathroom in someone's apartment with, like, white walls and had, like, frosted glass in the middle of the doors. Uh-huh. And that the toilet, for some reason, wasn't working. And no. that it kept getting clogged. And that someone was knocking on the door trying to come to the bathroom. And I was like, how do I get rid of all of this? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think it has to do with this idea of you get to a point in your life. And with grad school, and you have all this baggage. And at the same time, you want to move forward. Yeah. And But the the baggage is... It's there. It's a part of... It's a part of... It was a part of you. Um, And you have to figure out how to dispose of it. You have to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. And I, I think it's a lot of my dreams I didn't dream until like almost at all I had one bad dream that I could vividly remember until okay. a couple years ago when I started getting stressed out about life that's nuts exactly I love, I love the way our brains destroy ourselves They're, like every single one of them is a direct metaphor for something yeah what is the worst <laughs> job you've ever had um that actually is not the worst job I ever had. That was Having to clean up a boy's liquescent shit. No. And that happens with any any situation where you take care of kids. And it sure. is... I mean, my mom worked in a hospital and dealt with people's yeah. bodily fluids all the time. And it's a kid. Like, it's not his fault. I exactly. think I would be... I'd be more grossed out if it was grown-up poo. Yeah. I don't know that I could do what my mom did. But um, with kids, you kind of accept that they don't... It, they have very little control over it. Yeah. Um, but the worst job I ever had, sadly, was a favor somebody um, 
somebody gave to me and uh, I worked in a boxing factory it was for lawn furniture and I was in the middle of a voice performance degree which I later switched to theater okay and I'm sorry so I'll just just stick it uh, take a step back they made boxes or they made lawn chairs they they made the containers for the lawn chairs to go on the shelf in the store you know I'm now just flashing directly back to the episode of The Simpsons where they tour the box factory. And they think that Bart has <laughs> that become a sense. box. And then he goes to work for Crush the Clown. Well, it's... The funny thing is, like, it was called a boxing factory, but these were specifically shaped containers Long for chairs. these pieces. And you had to, like, break off pieces of plastic and garbage tie pieces together and put things in little Ziplocs. And so you there worked was on, like, so an much, assembly line. Yeah. Oh, wow. And there was so much cardboard dust in the air and the clippers were really hard to work I'd get blisters on my hands until finally like towards the end of this Christmas vacation that I worked this job it was only for a couple weeks I told my parents like I do not want to do this again like I can my body hurts I have a cold that is weird um and also the hours were really bad but we had to wake up at four we had to get in our neighbor's truck to go there and he was the manager of this place and it he ran it beautifully. It was just not the right job for me. I hated that job. And I felt so bad because he'd been so nice to like get us this temporary thing. Okay, so when you say it's a favor, it's like m- my daughters need a winter job to make some money? Yeah, we always would work a job so that we could pay for our books and supplies at the beginning of the semester. Sure. Um, wow. And usually we'd find like telemarketing or something awful yeah, yeah, that filing. we also hated. Yeah, but there's but a difference the same, between this yeah, is you changing a, the quality of my lungs and yeah. this is I got a paper cut. Yeah, well, that was, we'd get tons of paper cuts sure. too from the edges of the boxes. Wow, that's, uh, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that I had nothing to do with the. With, with poop? With kid poop, yeah. Yeah, Happily, at the end of the day, surprised. I wipe the poop off and I wash my hands and it's gone. But the box, like I carry that home with me. That's in your lungs still, yeah. probably in like the very bottoms of your lungs. I still have cardboard. That might come in handy. Someday. We don't know what's what's happening in the future. <laughs> um, so speaking of what's happening in the future, what is your zombie apocalypse escape plan? Who would you want with you and where would you go and why? <clears throat> well, I'm an Astoria. So definitely not going towards the city as of Max Brooks um, zombie, uh, like choose your own storybook. I yep. bought it for a friend and I did it a couple times and I actually had to set it down because I was like, oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> if I'm at home, instantly I am heading out towards Long Island. Where do you live? I'm right off the 36th Avenue stop. Okay. Oh, you meant that home. I thought you meant like, like family home home. Oh, family home home. I think my parents would probably ford up in their house. Okay. So it would be a matter of I mean, all communication would probably be down. It would be a matter of finding a way to get my sister home. If well, I usually was... the way I start this off is that this is, um, like, you've been watching the news. You okay. know that these aren't random attacks. So it's not like suddenly you're in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. This is oh, like, so you might have, the... like, a week or two to get supplies and to plan something before right. full-scale panic. Well, you know, I really should have my dad read World War Z and just be like, can we just build a Lobo for fun when really in the back of my head, like, when this shit goes down. Yeah, you will thank me. Right. Yeah. Or at least least the the zombie survival handbook. World War Z is like the fun version, but reading the survival handbook is like, yes, that is a good idea. You never need to reload a blade. That's very true. The Eternal Con that I was at yesterday out near Mineola. Yes. 
they do have these survivalist trips that you can go on and they train you. I've heard of those. Yeah. But I've also heard that that's good because a lot of, there's stuff they do that's just for a zombie apocalypse. Sure. But a lot of it really is like if you're on vacation and something happens, like here's how you start a fire. That's helpful. So, but I also liked reading that book and going, so I just wait until winter. If I can just make it till winter, all the zombies will freeze. If it's those zombies. That's the thing. If it's I mean, 28 days later zombies, oh, we're all fucked. We're that, all that's, also, that's the caveat. If it's fast zombies, that's the end of civilization. Right. Like, that's it. Um, that was what was with World War Z, with the movie. It was like... Yeah. That, Isn't yeah. everybody going to go down? That movie. Thank you. That was... Oh, it's not just me, Erin. <laughs> no, no. It's, it was such... It was like when your mother puts her hands on her hips and looks at you when you do something bad and goes, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. If they had just not called it that. that exactly. Been and I would have gone, okay, it's not my favorite zombie yeah. movie, but whatever. But I was so looking forward to seeing these wonderful images that are described in the book. Yeah. And I saw none of them. And yeah. I don't want to blame Brad Pitt, but it is your company. He produced it. Is there's I mean, got to be a reason you went straight from messing that up to making 12 Years a Slave, dude. But I also remember... Was that bad that, to say? <laughs> no. No, because, no, he redeemed himself. Because that was yeah, a good movie. That was and, a really good and, movie. you know, or was he was not. Maybe it had something to do... I feel like I heard that they were making the movie in, like, 2007. It's true. They So maybe <clears throat> something happened where there was a good script that yes. someone didn't like or Brad didn't like. I've come to trust Brad Pitt's decisions. When he used to just be a heartthrob, it was like, I don't have any interest in him. Yeah. Then he started doing 12 Monkeys. He started doing Fight Club. He started doing right. these movies he where He pulled a Johnny like, Depp. Yes. Except good. Because I feel like Johnny Depp has now sort of maybe looped back... Johnny Depp is just more indie artsy than I think even anyone expected him to be when he started to go, like, leave the 21 Jump Street track to male lead them. Yeah. Um, but I feel like maybe he's doubled back. He started making movies his kids could watch. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah, maybe that's all but it is. But even then when he did it, he almost got fired from Pirates of the Caribbean a bunch of times because he was like, this is how I see the character. And he fought with Disney to be able to do... You can't, you can't win when you fight with He Disney. did win. How do you win when you fight? No. Okay, so here's I don't, the thing. He won and got to do the character, and everybody loved it. We all think he won. But when Johnny Depp dies of some mysterious disease, that's because Disney gave it to him. Okay. I'm well, saying that now. Johnny, so, who's also a friend of the show. Johnny, okay. I love you. You know I love you. You are the best <laughs> gay homeless man ever. That's true. But... You pissed off Disney. Whatever happens next is on your own head. I'm sorry. It's a huge suspension of disbelief, though. My mom usually ruins things by going, oh, that wouldn't happen in real life. Or some, like, Chuck Norris does something and she goes, oh, he wouldn't get back up. He'd be dead. They When Keira Knightley and Johnny Depp kiss in the second movie, uh-huh. all of us, like, all the women in my family go, oh, she wouldn't fall in love. His breath would be horrible. <laughs> Yeah, it all stinks so yeah. bad. When you only drink rum. And what did they eat in that movie? Did we even see them eating? I don't. They probably ate like chicken legs or something. Yeah, or at like, some like point. ripped off of a pig. So I'm, th- I'm assuming a lot of pork and rum. They should all be like yellow with scurvy or something. And they should all just be shitting their asses. True. Because if all yeah. you're eating is uncooked pork and 
alcohol. Okay. It's magical. It's Disney. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Suspension of disbelief. So I'm sorry. Going back There's to the zombie thing. There's a dysentery fairy that goes around, so no one gets it's it. Tinkerbell. Sprinkle them all with dust. Yeah. She she taps their anuses. Can we fly? No, but just, you won't shit. Exactly. But you won't <laughs> propel yourself with a jet of shit. Um, so going from shit jets back to uh, zombie apocalypse. So you would in your place in Astoria. Yes. Oh, in my place in Astoria. Well, yeah. That's the thing. It's like where the starting place is in Manhattan. Um, I think you'd have to be above ground. It's too much of like a cattle shoot of food if you go underground in the subways. Absolutely. You cannot see if you go underneath. No. So you've got to get that pointy thing out and you've got to... And also with the whole idea is like not being noticeable. Like go places where other people are being eaten. Stay out of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Don't make noise if you do have to kill people. That's... I love like in The Walking Dead how they say like use the knife. Yeah. Don't you even if you have the gun, use the knife because it's less noise. It attracts sure. less attention. That was the number one weapon, I believe, that Max Brooks said is the the trench spike. Yeah. Which that's pretty great. Because you've got like a couple feet between you and them. Yeah, and you have the grip, so you so you can like pull it back pull out. It out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would try and fight my way back over Queensboro Bridge. Um, the big thing for me is I'm really sentimental and I would want to go to Brooklyn and find my sister. Sure. I would want to get out to Mineola and make sure the kids and that family were okay. Um, but I've also, that's, I, I've, because we've had like Hurricane Sandy and things like that. Yeah. I've often wondered like, what if that happened and the parents got stuck in Manhattan and I was stuck with the kids? Like suddenly, basically I'm an Insta parent. Yeah. And how do I navigate that? So... There's definitely a couple different zombie apocalypse plans. Absolutely. Good. Okay, good. Just It's good to know that you're prepared. Tell me a joke. I would steal someone else's joke, but it's a story. So Go for it. there's these three people, and they run into... I'm so sorry, Patrick. I'm stealing this from you. Patrick, he's another friend of the show, I'm sure. Okay. Patrick, we're sorry. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so there's these three people, and they get captured by cannibals in the woods Mm -hmm. and the cannibals go like well we'll be fair like we'll be fair for you we're gonna let you each pick a weapon and run through the woods and if you can get away then we'll let you go fair enough We, we, we won't capture you and we won't stretch your skin and turn you into a boat um so the first person picks like a a bow and arrow and they run out in the woods, and they run and run and run, and of course, of course, eventually they catch up with them, so it doesn't matter how far away they are, and the bow and arrow becomes useless, and so they okay. take them back, and they stretch them out, and they make them into a boat. Okay. And then the second person, um, they pick, like, a spear, and eventually they go out in the woods, and they they don't quite make it. Like, they just, they're carrying a spear, they're trying to get through all the, the trees and through the roots, and they trip, and... They take them back and they stretch them out and they make them in a boat. Okay. The last person goes, aha, I will pick up a fork. They go, a fork? Really? Like, what are you going to do with a fork? You're not going to get any of us with a fork. They go, yes, yes, I will take a fork. And they run out into the woods. And as they're running, the person's stabbing themselves with the fork going, ha, 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 you're going to have a leaky boat. You're going to have a leaky boat. Nice. Patrick tells it much better. But. Well, thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Patrick. <laughs> um, so now we've just been floating around asking these ridiculous questions. Now, let's get specific. Okay. Let's get specific. 
Are you ever angry that your first name didn't start with a P so that your initials would then be Salm? <laughs> um, no. That's actually all I have for you. No, I'm kidding. Um, so when did you realize that you were into uh, into geekier stuff and culture stuff? Um, I, kn- I knew that I liked stuff that I watched with my dad more so. Okay. And then when I was younger, I really liked Star Trek and my parents just got me because I liked the show. They got me like a Starfleet Academy t-shirt and I got a coffee mug. And How young are we talking? I was maybe eight or nine. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, But my parents didn't really know about Comic-Cons and what they were. And they were still fairly new, even when, like, um, J.R. Martin talks about it. Yeah. They used to be just basement, church basements. Yeah, Yeah. basically. Um, And then I got older and I got busy with theater and I basically became a huge theater nerd. Mm. And um, I was just so busy with that, but I still loved sci-fi shows, like, would follow them. Um, And... I, I were doing a podcast on Farscape in August, but like I was in the middle of a college audition for performance mm-hmm. and it was hard for me to go out the door for my audition as nervous as I was because there was cable Farscape. in the hotel room, which we didn't have back home <laughs> and Farscape had just started and they were showing reruns <laughs> of the first season. And I just remember thinking this was the most amazing, like edgy <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. And I'd seen like Stargate, the movie when it first came out and I went to the family camp out that year and told the whole movie beginning to end to my cousin Caleb. That's great. Like an oral history thing. Yeah. And comic <laughs> books in high school instead of reading a novel. And then... Yeah. And then I just... I didn't really know quite how nerdy I was till a couple of years ago. And I um, started seeing some of the Chris Hardwick stuff because yeah. it was so much of like, just be yourself. Yeah. And so did you ever see this as like a positive thing or a negative thing? Because it seems like nowadays uh, there's less... It seems more acceptable. I I think I always saw it as a positive thing because of the, the fact that it's... it So much of it is about being creative. So much of it is about an, a, appreciating other people's artwork. And the idea of, of science fiction is not, you know... There's a man and a woman divorced in an apartment and they're going through a hard time. Yeah. It's there's a man and a woman in a world where there are aliens having taken over and how do they make that work? And here's how society fun- like the whole world is new and original. I just think that that's something special about it. Sure. But, yeah. So you say that you didn't realize how nerdy you were until recently. When did you suddenly realize that? Um I knew that I liked action films and my best friend didn't. And I knew that uh, my friend Josh Silverman and I would go see a lot of things. And I just kind of knew that I liked them, but I never really went back to the idea of like, oh, like I'm, this is part of who I am too. Gotcha. Um, But I also realized that I wasn't fully like just Captain America, just these things. That I I loved the fact that I would go to BAM Mm -hmm. and see Tom Hiddleston in Cymbeline, yeah. understand the Shakespeare, be really into his skills as an actor, and then turn around and and see him do Loki and these things. Like yeah, I, yeah. I love the fact that you can equally appreciate those two things. Sure. Whereas some of my nerd friends, they will then go back and find what they can of somebody because 
they now like them because of because like, they a saw big... them in an Avengers movie. Right, exactly. Gotcha. Whereas I, you know, I watch V for Vendetta and go, "Oh my gosh, it's Timothy Pinkett Smith, the best Hotspur ever!" And <laughs> nobody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> except Jacob Moore. But you know what it is? I feel like it's almost the difference between a nerd and a geek. It's like yeah. I feel like a geek nowadays they're more technical. Yeah, actually. I don't know what the word is for it. I feel like maybe nerd is smarter. Like, a nerd would read the book, and then when it's like, oh, hey, V for Vendetta is coming out. It's like, rather than like, oh, did you know this was a graphic novel? It's like, you know, oh, my God, I read this when I was a kid. They should make a movie. And then, like, 15 years later, it's like, oh, holy shit, they're doing this. But uh, I don't know. I I always give nerds more credit, because I feel like nowadays, at least, like, capital Mm -hmm. G, geek has almost become... People don't seem to be having anything to add to it. it. Geeky seems more like, you know, we all saw this movie, we can agree it's great, excellent. We all saw this show, we can agree it's shit, right? There's a, excellent. Yeah, there's, there's just, a detachment to it. And, and it's recycling, there's nothing new coming out of it, you know? It's yeah. like, let's all sit down with people we know and agree upon things. Right. Yes. Like, I think, yeah, nerd. it's like that. maybe the geeks are like the Republicans of the world and the nerds are the liberals. <laughs> like they, I wow. do think there is sort of this idea with nerds, though, of being able to see Captain America and also see like the little the little hints at what they're saying about society today. Like you could write your AP English paper yeah. by seeing Thor and understanding <laughs> that Loki is really just acting out because he's an oppressed party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Well, it goes back yeah. to you know the Crown Heights incident and sure. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had to face any difficulties as a geek girl? Oh, you mean as a girl? Yeah, like, you know how there's that shitty, you're, you're a fake geek girl, or you're just, you know, you're not really a geek because dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Well, I've had, like, sort of the the middle line of all of it. Okay. Where part of the reason I started my podcast was that I was really sick of hearing podcasts that were just three guys that considered themselves nerds talking about it and feeling just basically like underrepresented mm-hmm. um, that there is a difference of opinion oftentimes between genders but I wasn't getting to hear mine yeah um, and I wanted I wanted somebody on those programs to agree with I didn't want to just shout at my TV or my computer screen um, I never got the side of the geek girl that's like the hot geek girl mm-hmm. um, Jesse Mullins and I have talked about it at length and I think it's interesting that I think it's there's no point in tearing down someone who is super attractive that is a nerd that sure. is genuine. Yeah. I think it de- also depends on what their motives are. That if they are there purely for celebrity, if they are there purely to um, use the society as a means to something else, yeah. I think there's sort of a capitalist agenda to that that undermines what all of this is about. Absolutely. At the same time, I think if that person finds it genuinely in their heart to love what they're doing, then there's no point in, in tearing them down. At the, at the same time, though, looking at someone where... Someone who is fantastic. We, we talked about... Uh, Jess and I talked about like Chloe Dykstra, mm-hmm. who is an expert at what she talks about. Yeah. And at the same time, every once in a while, I want to look at an expert that doesn't look like a model. Yeah. I want somebody that I'm looking at and I go, I see that you go and you could 
you could be working at a nurse's job or a nursing job and yeah. you still would put that uniform on and you still would go to the con. There's something about that that I think is really is really valuable. Yeah, that is one of the issues when you think about it because, I mean... Keeping it a community and not a commodity. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like when you think about the, you know, the geek girls on television or whatever, like when you think of... A female geek versus a male geek. Oh, casting-wise? Yeah, like, like male geeks are always kind of just fat they, slobs. But, like, geek girl, it's like she's always kind of hot. She's hot Maybe with a, a pair of Lisa Loeb glasses, and that's yes. all she needs to suddenly be nerd. Yeah. And that's not how a lot of us are. Yeah. But so that's definitely a big issue with this. Is like, you know, when you're casting for dorky... It's almost like it's like when when women uh, on when they get sent out on auditions for on screen stuff. It's like looking for like a Tina Fey type. Yeah. And it's like as if they're trying to make it sound like Tina Fey's unattractive. Like uh, right. this is this this goes back to the whole Hollywood's idea of an unattractive person. Is yeah, we'll give them glasses. Well, yeah, with, we'll give them glasses. With women specifically, it has to do with with weight. Like that is that is the big divider. Yeah, all their geeks um, have to be so skinny. They have to be so skinny, or they yeah. have to be compact Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, or, or even Felicia Day, I mean. Felicia Day. As much as I dig her, I feel like I feel like she's almost getting in the way of people like you who are normal and who also well, are geeks, you know? It's an unequal treatment, basically, casting-wise. And then what happens is the girl who is... The geek girl who is, like, the chubby outcast at her school... Well, then she feels guilty and she feels lost and she doesn't see herself and she doesn't see anything that lets her know her body shape is okay and that she's not some, you know, evil mutant yeah, of some sort. Yeah, she has to become a goth. But meanwhile, it's okay for... I mean, we look at the physical types on, on The Big Bang Theory and I, I mean, there's someone I went to school with that's on that show mm-hmm. and he's very cool and he was always very nice, but he was always a really petite guy. Sure. He was not someone that you walked into the room and said, oh yes, like, that's who I would like to take back to my home. Gotcha. Unless you're into but, that. Unless you're right. ready to, like, break a guy. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time... You look willowy. <laughs> you look willowy. Come on. Get on the <laughs> like back of my bike. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna show you the inside of the sun. Yeah. But, it, like, you you look for... And even the girls on on Supernatural, when they come in and they're supposed to be nerdy or weird, like they're all they're you change hot. their costume or their makeup a little bit, and they're the hot girl. Yeah, that's a problem that I had. I, I did watch the first season of Arrow. Fucked if I know why, but <laughs> the nerd uh, uh, Doctor Smoek, Doctor Smoke, is he like a guy no, from no, a boy no, band with a pair of glasses on? It's the chick. It's basically oh. the, the treatment that. Um, Oh boy, she's all that. I don't know. What's the yeah. What's the movie based on Pygmalion? Yeah, she's all that. Yeah. Okay. Where it's like, oh, she's ugly. She has glasses and her hair's in a ponytail. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like she's this super duper awkward woman. She's always has a lab coat. She's into computers. She has glasses and a ponytail, but she's so right. fucking hot. And it, it's it's like. The, you know they do they that. They take off the ponytail and they put her in the dress and they go, "Oh wow, yes. you're beautiful." Yep. There's I a had requisite. no idea. You're like, yeah. That's about as dumb as, "Oh, I had no idea you were Superman. You wore a pair of glasses and a trench coat." It's not even dumb. It's just so fucking outdated. And they had that exact scene. It's like, "Well, we need to infiltrate this place." Well, I can't do it. Well, I can't do it. 
They all turn and look at her, and Can it's like, "Can you do a Russian accent and wear yeah. a strapless red dress? Uh-huh. Could you manage that?" Cut to her walking down the stairs, and it's like, "I can't make contact. I can't see her." And then there's that, <gasps> you know, that fill in the, the blank with like, "You look really, you know, you're not ugly," or fill in this shit, and it's like, right. that wasn't 1970 something. That was like, well, and that's 2013. That's the thing about casting but, is I like, feel it, like this should be better. In nerd stuff, you know, like right. this, like if this is, you know, whatever the new George Clooney movie, whatever, they're, they're not for people who think, but for things like these are based on the average comic book fan. And I'm sorry if I'm making a generalization. The reason that they dove so deep and hard into comics when they were a kid is maybe because that was escapism for them, and right. that's what it is. It's this fantasy world where this kid without parents can do something like this. This is this right. orphan from a planet can do something. But right. for the people, like, yes, Arrow should be fucking cut. Absolutely. You know? This person yeah. should be cut. But then it's like, the people that are watching this are not... The person know, that's like, in I, the control room should not be cut. The person that's yeah. sitting the at person, the desk all day... They should be sitting, and they should have Doritos on right. one hand and just be eat, You know, I don't know. So it's, it's like looking at the shows where it's a stay-at-home mom, and they're... Stunning. Yeah. And you're like, really? Because you just ate all of your children's leftover peanut butter and jelly. You realize that, yeah. right? That's just empty carbs. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like even talking about it is just like preaching to the fucking choir. But it's like... Well, I think it's the same as we were talking about uh, nepotism and celebrity. That there's you know, also... We have great value and attractiveness. And if you can't get a celebrity, you get someone that we would, we would instantly want to be with on the street. Sure. And... Yeah. So we we bank on these things. We see these things as guarantees, and that's why we cast that way. Yeah, it's the bravery to take a risk and cast authentically for the best of the best of the project, rather than the best of the projects. Um, the profits. profits, yeah. But I feel like the issue with that now is that the people that they make that the priority. Well, it's, it's like also, we're going to cast normal looking folks, and it's like, well, can you cast normal looking folks that can also act? Because right. just because you like it, it really isn't enough. Just like it's not enough that you're super it's a lack fucking of work. hot. Yeah, there's a like, lot of normal folks in New York City that all have theater degrees, that yeah. all have MFAs. Yeah, you just have to hold he the just auditions handed and you hunt. Your, your triple latte, you know. I mean, come to Astoria. Most of us live there. <laughs> Everybody in Astoria is an actor. Well, people got wise. Like, yeah. even if you're making a Broadway salary, you still live more comfortably living in a borough than living in Manhattan. Yeah. So why would you not use that logic? I, you know, it's not logic. That's the thing. I, and this right. is something that I do maintain that, like, maybe 30 years, maybe 20 years, when the old, old, old right. people in charge, the old white folks who were like, how much do they earn? Yeah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go with them. Once they're dead, like when the yeah, people politically too. Exactly. Yes. Like like when the people Joss Whedon's age and in his mindset, when they start becoming the people making decisions, it will be interesting to see if they right. cast an ugly person who's actually ugly. It's not like yeah, they really made Sarah Michelle Gellar look ugly by giving yeah. her a wart. Well, and I mean, all those people are very skilled. It's not to say that the people... Joss Whedon has a tremendous eye for talent. Sure. But at the but same time... Like, you know, like, he cast Patton Oswalt in Dollhouse. Right, but what female great. character did he cast that was, like, not Fugly? attractive? No one. The ugliest one, in quotes, was Amy Acker. Right, and, and Amy Acker's she's fucking gorgeous. hot! Come on! Like, Fred? Fred was so nerdy and put upon all her life. 
Really? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, it's things like that where... But, that's, but the problem, what makes us look so stupid is that if you look at the UK where the community of actors is and the pool of actors is so much smaller, yeah. you do see that casting happen. If you look at sure. Misfits, there's one character that's supposed to be lower class, mm-hmm. she's supposed to be tough, and that chick has to be somewhere between like 140 and 150. Yeah. She's got great big boobs, a great big butt, and a tremendously attractive guy ends up with her. Because you know what? That happens in real life. Yeah. You know what? It's also, I mean, going to the UK thing, it's like Ricky Gervais. He's an ugly guy. Like, he's admitted it. Yeah. He has that kind of awkward cute maybe but he's an ugly fucking dude he's a toad sometimes but by the rules of Hollywood if a man is funny he can have any girl he wants yeah if a girl is fat she must be funny that doesn't mean she gets to be with any anyone she wants that means she gets to be the fat friend right everybody that watched Identity Thief sat there and went so why did Melissa Melissa McCarthy McCarthy not end up with Jason (laughs) Bateman like what was the problem there because she's unattractive because she's not well and she's not unattractive that's the thing when yeah. she gets when dressed up and comes yeah. out, you go, oh, that's right. She's gorgeous. Yeah. But it's like, uh, God, I'm, I hate to admit that I even saw this. Hangover 3, when they have a little romantic scene between Zach Galifianakis and Melissa McCarthy. And it's like, okay. But then know. when Melissa McCarthy has romantic scenes, it's always like, it's acceptable yeah. if they're also not a thin, like... Or or if it's funny. Right. It's funny. It's like... it. We're laughing because this this toad is having a a, a a people moment with this toad, and it's laughing for the wrong reason. Like the fat people fall in love too? Yeah. Really? That's ridiculous. They're that not doesn't people. really happen, does it? But yeah. you kind of sit there and you go, well, there, "There's a difference, though." I think because listeners, I'm sure this can come off as like a string of just being L- listener, bitter. Listener, listener, singular. one listener. Yeah, we have we have, we have the one, and the I one. don't know who it is. I think they're he's in a Russia. hanger on. He's a hanger on, and I don't know if he actually knows. I don't know if he speaks English. Anyway, <laughs> yes, sorry. But, so, <laughs> listener, yeah. But there's a difference, I think, about taking this knowledge and just bitching mm-hmm. ad infinitum, and looking at it from a sociological point of view and going, but when we make these choices with casting. How does this affect the way we live our lives? How does this affect the choices we make? What does this teach the children and their self-esteem of themselves that are watching these programs? Because I remember getting to that point in my life where suddenly I had boobs, a big butt, and thighs. And I don't look bad. Like, I'm... I'm, you know, Christina Hendricks. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm closer to Christina Hendricks. Like, I'm... uh, I'm what... um, I guess my granddad, my best friend, hates this term. He would say of my grandmother that she was a brick shit house because <laughs> she had great big tits and ass, and he thought it was super attractive. Yeah, I, I think the term is uh, is zoftig. So, well, is, zoftig is also like they refer to opera singers that way. But that's, that's a great way to describe whether it, yeah. you're an apple or you're a pear. <laughs> Whereas I'm closer to like I guess I'm closer to a pear because I I still have like the big boobs, but I have a tiny waist. And well, then with I all the spines coming out of your skin, I'd say you're it's closer hard to, to a, tell. a star fruit. It's anemone. Yes. Um, I think when you're, I remember reaching adulthood and some and realizing what my shape was going to be, mm-hmm. and feeling so heartbroken and so disappointed. Yeah. And like realizing that I was going to struggle to be a certain size and a certain shape 
and it's also it shows up in our generations as as well I think that um, the preferences of shapes and sizes and teaching people what's acceptable yeah. versus what they're attracted to are two different things so sure. we have this hookup culture now where people hook up with people but then who they date with and they settle down with is often a totally different thing. Sure. Because yeah. we're taught what's acceptable to equate adulthood versus what's acceptable for you to end up with. Yeah. Or to hook up with. And that we're seeing these things crop up in society and we're saying, oh, where does this come from? Where does this come from? Well, there is a cause and effect. Like, we are an entertainment-obsessed culture. Sure. Because we need distraction from how rough some of these things are mm -hmm. that we're dealing with in life, with wars overseas, the threat of nuclear war, yeah. terrorists like Fucking taking taxes. down buildings. But we have all these things we're stressing out about. And so we are, everyone is into escapism. Everyone's a nerd to some degree. Yeah. But I think we do have to be aware of what, what we're teaching people. My only other thing with that is that we have an obsession with women being felt no matter what and being somewhat muscleless. Yeah. And I just get it's sick creepy. of watching fights and having to believe that a woman who is just simply thin yeah. will kick the shit out of someone. Yeah. Like the like casting um Wonder Woman. If she needs to either go get ripped or Or CG or, or something. CG. Because there are certain roles like there are definitely certain roles, like you said about Arrow. Like, I will not believe that he can do the things that he can do yeah, if he doesn't have muscles. see him doing it. And then in one, in one right. hand, it's eye candy. I may have a little crush on him. On the other hand, it's like, <laughs> see, he's doing it. He can do it. But right. yeah, the idea that she's going to be Wonder Woman, it's like, you can't just be tall. Like, right, and you can hit all your marks with fighting. Yeah. And and make it look like Kung Fu Hustle. There were definitely people in there that I don't necessarily could believe. Yeah. I mean, it was also, like, fantastical fighting. Sure. But, no, but, but I get what you're saying. But it's, it's like, it's... you look at a tough fight and someone that's supposed to be physically doing something uh, that looks like it will hurt someone. I want to watch Michelle Re Rodriguez. I want to watch yes. um, the, the female fighter from Haywire, by, from Steven Soderbergh's Haywire. Yeah. I don't want to watch Uma Thurman. I, not that I don't want to watch her ever, but I don't want to watch her in Kill Bill and be expected to suspend my disbelief for her, but not for the men. Like, you yeah. gave me two sets of rules. Either make my men somewhat muscleless as well. Yeah. But don't give me these two sets of rules for fighters. Because the real fighters, mm -hmm. in real life, the men are ripped and the women are ripped. Because what yeah. they are doing requires need that, to be period. Ripped. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a different set of physical rules. And we're so boxed in by it as women. Yeah. It limits us so much that we have this set of rules. So that's why I'm hoping in 30 years when all those people are dead, hopefully this will change. So, Well, I think it's also women are becoming there's the film misrepresentation and women are becoming more aware of these boxes mm -hmm. and hopefully if we continue to teach the next generation these truths instead of just like shrugging your shoulders and saying just stay positive and do your best yeah. <laughs> like we're not saying go burn your bra but we are saying be aware and try and make exactly some be aware there is a difference between because then on the other the other end of that is like if you are too vocal about anything you get written off as, as being a psycho well, and then no and one listens to you anyway which is just as depressing, yeah. It's also, I mean, when you become too vocal about it, then you come off a certain way yeah. that indicates certain qualities of person you wouldn't want to work with. Yeah. And while I don't want to, like, shut up and, and 
swallow the whole thing. Yeah, but at doing the a same podcast time. is different than you know, like you said, burning your bra or showing about showing right. up at auditions and protesting because it'll be like, yeah, yeah, she makes a good point. We're never well, calling her. And we again change for it ourselves by a lot of the self-produced stuff we do, like podcasts. Yes, and by and a lot of the webisodes that are going on. Yeah. Just saying, That's something like, I, I thought. I mean, I think it was it was Becca that first said it to me. Yeah. And it's like it's brilliant. It's like rather than waiting around to be cast as your perfect role, it's like write your perfect role and then shoot it. I mean, people have shot films on iPhones, and yeah. what are you waiting for? You know, stop complaining about it. Go do your own thing. You know, change. Right. I think that's what's going to change it. Now, let us talk about the haughty nerdress. Haughty is defined as disdainfully proud, snobbish, scornfully arrogant, supercilious. <laughs> what makes you haughty? Um, I think it is... Haughty is a little bit like... Diva is, has a two-tone quality to it. Diva sure. also means like you are very skilled and you own that. And I think haughty. Sometimes. I think sometimes it can be used as like. Modern wise, a lot of people go, oh, she's a diva. Stay away from her. She's trouble. She doesn't just want. Sure. She wants crystal in her dressing room. Exactly. That sort of thing. But I think haughty is also just kind of saying owning your own taste sometimes and not accommodating everybody around you is considered sure. a snobbish thing to do. That you're so arrogant to, to be yourself. But I, it's also sort of indicating the idea that. You can be an opera nerd. That you can you can ha- be a nerd of these of these things where we think a little more niche. Yeah, I mean, not that a little more niche. niche. I mean, but also been for hundreds and hundreds of years. But you don't still just go niche. to the art museum. You go to the art museum and you know the pieces and you know how they were made, and you're just as obsessed with them as you are knowing that that same painting is hanging in like the boardroom on the Enterprise or something like that. So it's kind of going back to what we were talking about where it's, you know, ooh, Tom, have you heard of Tom Hiddleston? He's Loki in the Avengers and it's yeah. like, I've heard of Tom Hiddleston, yes. It, it's sort of. of like you've earned it as opposed to showing up late and, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also, you're not just obsessed with it, but you're obsessed with what's behind it. Yeah. You don't just understand comic books. Like yesterday, somebody had these like watercolor comic books. And now I forget what artist it was that it looked like. And I, I remember looking at the, the guy and going and realizing this was an older artist and that he had probably gone to school and going, Sure. This looks a lot like this Martin artist. Do you know who that is? And he was like, Yeah. <laughs> and I'm at a Comic Con at a table talking like art history from college with this guy yeah and it's like recognizing that connection i bet you were like the the best part of his day hopefully because it wasn't just like dude your wolverine claws are too long well i mean we think about the ideas that are so necessary in comic books and graphic novels because you are drawing an action yeah it is a still thing but you are drawing an action. Yeah, so which I can't imagine these, something more difficult than that. But, like, like go, go to some of those paintings in the Met where it's, like, a picture of a battle. Or even The Last Supper where we're talking about, you know, the disappearing the disappearing point at yeah, the yeah, back yeah. of the... Forced all of these things yeah. come into such play in comic books. Mm-hmm. Because you're... Or, like, the little... The, the shadowing. We talk about shadow. We talk about Rembrandt. Yeah. 
And, oh, that's who it was. He had so many of his figures had something to do, and he had, like, an indicator of where they were. But for the most part, there was so much shadow that was really specific. I was like, this is so Rembrandt, the way you have his face here. And and he kind of lit up. And you you realize, like, these, they take themselves seriously. They as don't, they should, absolutely. As they absolutely should, because it is. It's art. It's not just comic books. It's not just something we all nerd out on. It's not one thing. It's an amalgam of all of this information. Yeah, for some people. But yeah, the, the fact that you're kind of getting... That you're getting all of it, as opposed to just... Yeah, that was a really cool thing. Well, and I guess that... I mean, it is somewhat untrue to, like, haughty. The idea that it's like, I'm better than you because I know this. I feel so much more about, like, let me tell you about this, because it's going to make you like what you like already so much more. It's expanding the universe for somebody, and that's that's the important thing. I always feel that you can either get angry at me for something, Mm -hmm. or you can actually turn that around, and you can teach me what it is. Yeah. And I've been on dates like that where someone will be like, oh, you don't get it. Okay, never mind. Well, what else is going on in your life? I'm like, no, 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 don't cut me off, or don't make me feel stupid because I don't get it, or don't explain it five times the same way if yeah. I don't get it the first time teach it to me like yeah. share it with me and there, there's a lot of guys that don't have that skill sure um, they just want you to like click in right away yeah well, or it didn't go well it didn't go well really because you didn't make the effort dude um, but it's like likewise. guys every guy stop doing that okay it says something about you and yeah, it, it only says it only says bad things about you. Bad things. Yeah. There won't be another beer. I will be going shortly. My cat is yeah. in need. Yeah, my cat. It was, my cat just texted me, so I got to go because <laughs> yeah. But I think that works, and I, I think there is actually you know haughty can come off as you know a little kind of like hmm. But it seems to be it's an inclusionary haughty because yeah. you're sitting there and like you're for instance the World War Z podcast where it's like. You could just say this movie sucked. Everybody agrees. Yeah, okay, let's move on. But it's like, let's look at why this movie sucked. Let's look at how it could have not sucked. Yeah. And hey, maybe someday somebody will hear this and say, huh, hey, hey, Hollywood guys, they didn't like this movie, even yeah. though it, the thing is, they look at a piece of paper and like, well, it got us $800 million. I think people liked it. Right. The thing is, you don't. You know, I don't know how many people read a review of a movie before going to see the movie. Well, they that's see the not movie, what it's the about. Money's, yeah. That's not why we do this, to yeah. get a number on a piece of paper. That's no. why certain people do it. Sure. But, I and mean, when you die on the... When you leave the face of this earth, no one is going to look at how much money you made from this film. They're going to exactly. look at the film. Yeah. And I just... You read that book, and you go, oh, this is... There's so much about society and history and what's happening, and yeah. Max Brooks says it in this way. Mm-hmm. And even though Max Brook kind of has openly said, like, I signed off on this. Like, I can't say anything about what they do. At the same time, it's like, well, then I will say it for you, mister. Yeah. Because Maybe you he signed an NDA thing. or he signed some agreement. It's like, something. okay, we'll do anything we want and you can't say anything? It's like, right. okay, the way and you say it's a little weird, but yeah, sure. You kind of want to be his advocate or the advocate for the people that read this book initially and said this would be a great thing to be a film. Yeah. Because obviously it went through a couple, it went through the ringer a couple times and they kept saying we need so. this and that and the other. Yeah. Yeah. Brad but yes, yeah, so I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate the, the. Thanks. You know, the, the mission statement to make this even loftier, you know, the mission statement of Haughty Nerdress, because I feel like with some podcasts, 
it's it's like you said, it's just somebody hit record and we're just going to bitch. Or yeah. we're just going to, you know, I don't I know. I felt a little bit like I did that with the Star Trek one. I have not and listened then to that because I've never, I've never seen I rewatched it a couple times. Oh, not that I'm like apologizing. The recent one. Okay. So um, there's a lot of problems with it. We even read a sketch, Becca and I, about it. Lens flare. That's the only problem I have. That was the lens flare. <laughs> stop. What do we do about this, J.J. Abrams? Let's do a lens flare. No, no. Just stop. Stop. It was distracting to the point <laughs> of I can't see what is on the screen for the lens flare that yeah. you're covered. And it's like, if it fed into anything, but it was a stationary static fucking shot and there's <laughs> still lens. Fuck off. I need to say Benedict Cumberbatch's face clearly. I can't even... I want to see his muscles. He has eaten enough blended chicken breast. Let's give him some dew and stop with the lens flare. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to pet his face. I just love that. I love the fact that he's such an otter. He's an otter. He really Most people go, oh, he's an otter. I'm like, well, now I love otters, too. Yeah, yeah. You see those pictures. <laughs> um, okay, so we've, we've reached the terminus. We've the terminus. The final moments. The Are deus ex machina. This? The deus ex machina. <laughs> Define me. So what oh, I'm going wow. to do is I'm going to hand you this internet pad and you're oh. going to pick a word from it these are all made up words you're going to pick one. Oh, you made one up earlier today too and define it yes although that one makes sense like you could hear that and say this is what i imagine he was trying to say before he fucked it up these are all made up you have to pick one this is awesome and you made these up yes and you have to pick one and define it i'm gonna say pelotolio okay what is pelotolio uh, Pelotolio is a Mediterranean term mm-hmm. for when you get into a car wreck before you go off on the person when you regroup and re-strategize yourself. That is to Pelotolio. So it's like that moment of calm? That moment of calm because there... Not everyone, mm-hmm. but most people need to really work to do that. So it's a it's a noun. So the pelotolio is right. that moment, or it's a it's an it's a verb. You know, dude, just pelotolio for a second. Right. Like, excuse me, I can't. Before you ask for my insurance, I need to pelotolio. Okay. And they go That's walk nice. around the car twice. Yeah, and they come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them. So I'm ready to speak on this in a calm, clear way. Gotcha. All right, Erin. Thank you so so much. (laughs) That was excellent. That's uh, that's it. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and I have to do yours. Yes, please come on the haughty nerdress. I you've read. I I feel fairly illiterate in that you've or ill-read in that you've you've read all of Stephen King. I've read like. I've seen a lot of Stephen King. 90% of Stephen King, I think. I kind of just want to talk about Stephen King because the more you tell me about the man, Mm -hmm. the more... He is fascinating. We should just... Let's do that. (laughs) Let's have you on and let's talk talk for like an hour, an hour and a half about Stephen King, the man. I'm totally up for that. And if we veer off into like a little bit of... um, 
Jim Henson or something like that while Absolutely. we're in it because it is still like that fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They area. definitely have that sort of yeah, the whole world creation. The thing. whole way from Carrie and Christine to sometimes they come back and. Yes. Oh, that was a piece of shit. Yeah, I don't think it he had was, but to it scared the crap out of me. Okay. Yeah. I'm, again, I'm not saying onto that the these... back of a small toilet that need to be cleaned by my babysitter. And I think we're going to end on the shit. <laughs> Thank you again, Aaron Song. Thank you, Paul. Song. <laughs> Degressive. Obscenity. Shit, what was I talking about? I remember just a moment ago I was talking about something and then I forgot what I was talking about because I was distracted by the guy who did the thing. Degressive. Obscenity. Shit, what was I talking about? Thank you for listening to Digressive Obscenity. Follow us on Twitter at Digress underscore Obscene. And rate and review us on iTunes. <laughs>